As promised, I am thrilled to announce that our tickets for Australian True Crime Live are now available. Join me in Sydney, Brisbane and or Melbourne this July. You can come to all three if you want. These tickets are expected to go very quickly, so be sure to secure yours by visiting the link in our podcast bio or you can head over to the Australian True Crime Facebook page. There'll be a nice link there for you. Update for Brisbane Australian True Crime fans. Brisbane is almost fully sold out for our live show. If you've been a listener for any length of time, you'll know how passionate I am about true crime stories from Australia. I'm looking very forward to an incredible evening together with you, sharing these captivating tales. We will have great guests as well, so, you know, we love a Q&A. If you've ever come along to an Australian true crime live gig, you'll know we love a Q&A with our guests. Don't miss out. Book your tickets today, and I'll see you in July for a memorable night out. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. The producers of this podcast recognize the traditional owners of the land on which it's recorded. They pay respect to the Aboriginal elders past present and those emerging. The following podcast contains content of a graphic, violent nature and is not suitable for children. If you think something isn't right, speak up because too many times people just turn their back on things. You know, I've been guilty of it myself and and sat and gone, should I or shouldn't I, should I or shouldn't I? What if nothing's happening? you know, and nothing's really going on. But what if it is? Today, the devastating impact of violent crime from a viewpoint we don't often get to hear about, the family of the offender. As you'll hear, our guest could be characterised as a fairly average Australian mum. She and her kids have experienced what are unfortunately a number of fairly common Australian family challenges. They're the challenges many of us know very well and recognise in other families, but don't often talk about. This is Australian True Crime with Michelle Laurie and Emily Webb. Come with us as we go beyond the news cycle to find out how people become killers, how people become victims and what happens next. In the end, two extended families have paid a very heavy price for turning a blind eye to the dysfunction of one household. Four small children have been orphaned and separated from their youngest sibling by court order. 
We're aware that this is one side of a complex story. It's in no way balanced or fair. But it was never going to be because it's a mother's story. And you would hope that if anyone was going to tell a story in a way that made you come out sounding okay, even if it is the story of how you committed a violent crime, it would be your mum. We've tried very hard not to identify anyone involved in this story, to protect everyone involved and out of respect for the victim and his family. We begin by finding out why this lady contacted us and wanted to tell her story. It's just impacts on not just the offender, but the whole family, not just myself, but the others, other people who are involved as well. So what's left behind for them as well. It's like throwing a rock into into a pool and it's just that whole ripple effect. People people go, oh, it's terrible, you know, they didn't think about it and it's so horrible. And, and maybe they didn't at that time, but what was going through their head for them was logical at the time, if that makes sense, yeah. you know. Not that it is logical, but because of the state of mind that they're in, it seems logical to them and they don't think of what comes after. Yeah, definitely. We ask ourselves all the time when we read or hear about crimes, what were they thinking? Why would they, Why would you do that? How could you do that or whatever? But for various reasons, we assume that in that moment, a crime of passion or a crime of whatever or mental illness or for whatever reason, we assume that in that moment, it made sense. Since all this has happened, I've gone and done a couple of courses on trauma and mental health and trauma-informed practices. And um, people people like to go, oh, there's nothing wrong with me. I haven't been traumatised or I haven't got mental health at all. Or, But when we really get down to the nitty-gritty, all, all of us have been traumatised in some way, shape or form and do actually have mental health health issues and especially now in this current climate with with what is happening at this point in time um, and it's just I think hoping that it has brought mental health to to the forefront of things and people are realizing that oh wow it really does exist because a lot of the time you hear oh wait for it they're gonna play that mental health card uh-huh. <laughs> Your puppy dog. Is your puppy dog worried about you, do you think, or has someone come home? Oh, no, there's there's um, my grandson's next door. <laughs> so. Can you tell us what do you feel comfortable about telling us about the perpetrator in your family, how you've ended up in this situation? Yep, okay. So, oh, it's... Um, Yes, one of my children, mm-hmm. um, and her her dad had, when she was growing up, had been um, he'd been quite violent, so she'd seen a lot of domestic violence and and that as she was growing up. Um, I believe this could be a reason why things have come to the way they have, and she was trying to find someone that loved her she didn't have much to do with her dad so it was you know every it doesn't matter what their dad's like or what they've done or what their mum's like or what they've done kids love their their parents irrespective they do yeah it's that unconditional and it's hard when a parent has done something to another parent and and I guess we're all guilty of it that we we try and isolate and well, protect. We feel we're protecting the child, whether it be a good thing or a bad thing. Mm. We think it's it's useful at the time, but not so much now that I've done done some courses. Well, and you you have to cut yourself some slack because obviously, from what you're saying, you were a victim. So you mm. were a victim of family violence, and at the same mm-hmm. time, you're parenting. Yes, and so you're trying to parent children and trying to deal with their trauma and with all Mm -hmm. of that while at the same time trying to survive yourself and trying to figure out what to do. Yep. Yeah, true. Um, Yeah, so um, 
things never seemed to sort of settle with her. So at, at some point did you move away from the from their dad? Yes. From, how, how old yep. was she at that stage? Um, she would have been about six. So she was still really young. Um, and, um, yeah, it, it's looking back now, I can see that it would be really, really hard for, for children being separated from their other parent. Well, it's really, really hard for her to not be separated and it was hard for you too, <laughs> Carolyn. Know. You're being hard I, on yourself. No, I, I get it, but it's, you know, our actions can impact on other people and we don't mean to. Yeah, so she had a bit of a rough life in the respects of that um, her siblings were a little bit, sort of bullied her a little bit because she looked like her dad. Oh, um, okay, that's interesting. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and and like they were, her siblings were very young as well. You know, not that it makes it right, but mm. it's kids do things that, yeah, <laughs> It just never bloody ends with parenting, does it? No. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Not at all. Just, you know, you you go, we all know, or a lot of us know how hard it is to extricate yourself from an abusive relationship with kids. You get yourselves out of that environment and then the kids start mucking up. Mm-hmm. The little mm-hmm. ones start turning on the bigger one because she looks like the dad. And, you know, and you're still recovering. You're still pu- trying to pull yourself together. And now you've got this bullying situation going on between the kids and you can't blame anyone, but it's still, it's stressful. Yeah. Um, it's like one thing, oh. you sort one thing out, then something else happens. Something else. Then, yeah, yeah, exactly. And no doubt you've got, you know, financial stresses as well. You're a single mum now. 100%. Yeah, all these kids and. <laughs> yep. Oh, babes. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, um we moved from where we were and I moved back down towards um, where my family was. So I was closer with family, <clears throat> um, which helped um, because I had that connection. I'd lost that connection with my family and regained that connection when I moved back to my hometown. So that made things a little bit better. School wasn't great for her. She never really made um, a heap of friends and she always felt like she was a loner and until she was probably about 13, 14 and fell into a group of friends. Was it a naughty a naughty group? Um, not naughty, naughty, but, you know, something I would have discouraged. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was a friend of this group that introduced my daughter to the person that she ended up with. Yeah. And do you think at that stage she would have sort of embraced anyone who embraced her? Yes. Well, he was he was nearly 10 years older than her. Oh, God. Yeah. So that, so that would have been an illegal relationship? Um, yes. Well... Back back then, um, she ended up running away when she was about 15, going on 16, um, ended up in Sydney with him and his mum and because I obviously made a police report yep. and as a missing child and they went and got her and contacted the police got her and said to me look she's we're classing because of the people she's with we're classing her as as a child at risk yeah good um no well yeah it was because I'm thinking what's his mum thinking <laughs> like fair dinkum how about a bit of you know sisterhood and a bit of yeah. assistance from another mum yeah um when your son brings home a child her her life hadn't been easy. Oh God, either. Karen, you're killing me. You are <laughs> oh, sorry. No, you're so compassionate and you're so beautiful. But God, oh look, I could sit here and I could say things. You know, I could I could be really nasty, but 
like I said, we've all been through trauma, mm. you know, and we all deal with things differently. And yeah, his mum had been through trauma herself. Mm. So she'd chosen to do the things she'd done. Um, yeah, anyway. So when the police said classified your daughter as a child at risk, mm-hmm. and they they took her and they took her to Bankstown Police Station. So we drove down in the middle of the night because we got the phone call. It was pretty late. And we drove down, we retrieved her and we bought a home. So I was very anxious about having her home and, you know, wondering whether she was going to take off again and what was going to happen. So I was with her 24-7. I slept with her. She came to work with me and she was just with me 24-7, which was tiring. (laughs) Yeah. What was she saying to you? What was her attitude towards you? I was like trying to suggest to her that it's not a good idea, you know, the police have said that you're a child at risk, trying to talk some sense into her. Yeah. You know, she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's okay. Yep, I, I promise, Mum, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I'd taken her, she had a mobile phone at the time and I'd taken that away from her and she's she's like, oh, is it all right if if I can just have my phone back? Mm. And I think that was probably the biggest mistake that I made because I gave her her mobile phone back mm. and then the next morning I got up and she was gone again. Oh, oh. no. Yeah, because I was wondering if she was angry at, at you. Me too. But, yeah. Is she like uh, you? Are you both like this? Are you both what do you mean? Just these beautiful <laughs> yeah. temperaments. Is she, is she got the similar, you know, is this really how you talk to each other? Oh, I'm just trying to talk to someone. Okay, Mum, can I just have my phone back? No, not back then. It was, it was a little bit more heated. Mm. I, can, I can look at it a little bit more calmly now. I was wondering that. Yeah. I thought, did, have you always been like this or is this, you know, Karen oh. looking back? No, hell no, I've never, yeah. not always been like this. Okay, I used right. to be, I, I grew up in a family that yelled and screamed. Yeah, because my <laughs> mum and I would be calling each other every bitch we could lay our tongues to at, at the, these ages, yeah. you know, like, yeah, yeah okay, that makes yeah. me yeah. a bit better, yeah. Caroline. Okay, that's good. <laughs> okay, so this is the new um, sage, you know, Caroline. Yeah, we you know, I'm a, I'm a lot older and I low, know a lot more now and, you know, you sort of, you sort of, you just don't look at it from one perspective. You sort of, and it's not like, oh, that's a six, and that person says, oh, it's a nine, and you go, oh, yeah, that could be a nine. It's sort of like, well, I look at it from like a dozen different angles. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've got the benefit of hindsight now from a very mm. long way out, whereas back mm. then you must have been terrified. Mm. I was beside myself. Yes, and especially when you wake up and this kid is gone. Oh, I felt so sick. Just what do you do? Do you ring the cops again? Yeah, I did. I went to the police station and I said to them, "Look, you know, um, she's taken off." And and the like, the police were always lovely. And like I said, things have changed since then too. So we're talking like nearly twenty years ago, mm. and. The laws have changed a lot, I believe, to what they are today. I went to the police station and I said to them, look, my daughter's run away again. I had photos. I had case numbers and and everything. I'm like, yeah, can you help me? And they're like, well, you know, we could track her down again and we could find her and we could get her and we could bring her home and she'll run away again and this is, we could keep going on like this. And they're like, you have to really look at it realistically. Mm. And I, I thought, well, okay, um, it, it's true. This, this is probably what she's going to do because she, she really wants to be with this person. Yeah, how, how awful. Had you ever repartnered in the interim? I have, I have, yeah, but, yes. But in the interim by that stage, did she have a stepdad by then? Yes, And yes. how did she get along with him? She she felt that we've spoken about this and she said to me, you know, back then I sort of felt that he was trying to take you away from me. Oh, and okay. I said to him, said to her, I said, 
it's not that case. You know, we're we're a family and, you know, we all love each other. And But she hadn't filled the void with, with him. She hadn't allowed her stepdad to sort of step into that role. Yeah, it makes it it makes it hard. Yeah. You know? And they're they're little and, and what goes through their mind is she she had me. But I really thoroughly believe that for women and girls, not having a father in your life just leaves such a huge gap. Even if it he's physically mm-hmm. there and not there spiritually and emotionally for you. Mm-hmm. I think it just leaves such a gap that it leaves you really vulnerable. Hundred percent, I agree. To other people stepping into that place, yeah. And um, do you think that's what happened here? Yes, hundred percent. Because he was older than her, mm. it was sort of like I, I want someone to love me, mm. and and he he did do that. He did do that, mm. and you know. But as time went on, things she fell pregnant. She was 16 um, when she fell pregnant with her first child. Um, I had spoken to the police. I said, look, I know they're having sex. She's under the age of 18. And they said to me, well, there's nothing we can do. She's the one that has to complain. And I was just, I just, it's like throwing my hands up in the air going, oh, my God, I've got no one to help me. Where, Where now today... I feel that it's different. Mm. Like people, they sit up and take notice more and go, oh, okay, we need to protect this child more. Did she have get a fright when she was pregnant? Did she come to you and uh, seek help? Yeah, we, we, I tracked her down and we sort of reconnected and I thought, well, if this is the only way that I'm going to be able to make sure she's okay, then this is what I'm going to have to do, whether I liked it or not. We did meet her partner. He had come to our house. We, <laughs> When we bought her home, we used to get phone calls threatening to come and raid our house and take her away. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> that must have raised real alarm, like more alarm bells than you already had going on. Yep. And at that time, I had a, a small child myself, and and um, you know, I was like, "Oh my God, what am I going to do? Do I ring the police?" And it was threats of a, a bikey gang coming, and oh, yeah, <laughs> I know. And oh, like, it's just it's stuff that you see in the movies, and you just go, "Oh my God, this stuff is just this is garbage." Yeah. But mm. you know, when when you actually live it yourself, you sort of go, "Wow, yeah, this." This stuff really does happen. Like, <laughs> but then when she's pregnant, you have to legitimize the relationship mm-hmm. and welcome him into your home and call him her partner. Yeah, yeah. Um, when we first met him, he he basically walked into my house and just sat down, put his feet up on the t- coffee table, mm. and I said, "So, um, mum and dad." He goes, oh, "I don't know who my dad is." He goes, oh, my mum's a, a prostitute. I said, oh, have you got any siblings? He goes, yeah, I've got a brother and a sister. Um, my brother's a drug addict and uh, my sister's a stripper. Oh. And I just went, oh, okay, so do you work? No. Oh, God. I'm like, okay, all right. <laughs> cool, how am I going to deal with yeah. this? <laughs> oh, God, but this is what you have to do to have any shot at all at maintaining mm-hmm. a relationship with your daughter and now your grandchild. Yes. And trying to keep them, have any semblance of safety for them. Mm-hmm. Carolyn, I imagine you wanted, well, I'm thinking, imagining, I'm thinking this is what I'd want to do, you know, yeah, just keep that connection so you can keep an eye on the baby and your daughter and, yes, you know, yep. just, it's very, yeah, it's tenuous, isn't it? Because it could just go bad at any moment. You must have been just on, it's like, being on tenor hooks all the time. Constantly in a state of alert, <laughs> which is not necessarily a good thing because you can't sustain that type of thing for a long period of time. It's really bad for your nervous system, isn't it? Oh, 100%. I think that's why I'm like so much calmer now. <laughs> yeah, yeah you, you have to yeah. at some point. I've, I've had my my dose of like hypervigilance mm. and just being on edge and going, oh, what's that? 
who's that? Mm. What's going on? Yeah. Ah. yeah. Uh, so did you manage it for the pregnancy? Were you there for the birth? Were you still? I was. I was there. That was, oh, that was amazing. Um, uh, yeah, he was there as well, but he slept through it <laughs> on the floor. Mm. Um, yep. Yep. Uh, I got to cut the cord and it was just beautiful. Just beautiful. <laughs> so, yeah, my first grandchild, that was amazing. Yeah, it's funny how things work out. That's awesome. Yeah. So how long, you know, were you able to maintain a positive relationship and keep this niceness going? I tried. It was very difficult. Um, like she'd come to visit me and the minute she would get here, he would ring mm. And say, I need you to come home. And she's like, I've only just gotten to mum's. And he's like, no, you've been there for hours. You need to come home now. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, okay. Yeah. Righto. That's and I, I like I could hear him and he'd be he'd yell at her and belittle her. You know, you need to come and get me something to eat. And she'd go, oh, I've got to go, mum. I'm like, yeah, okay, that's fine. It's not a problem. Don't worry about it, babe. It's all good. And I'd think, oh, God, what's she, what's she getting herself into? And what was she getting herself into? I mean, I don't, I don't know what her crime is yet. I mean, yeah. um, were there any so, more children yeah. before her offence? Yes. Mm-hmm. There was um, another three. Oh, oh I see. Okay. Yeah. So she had another three children. She actually had two in one year. Blimey! Oh, That's yeah. Wow. Well, and did they were they able to keep custody of all the kids? Were they were they all together? Um, that they are all together. Mm-hmm. I have. Um, she ended up pregnant with another one. Um, that was she was just pregnant when the crime happened. When at that time though, she she was able to keep all the kids with her all the way through. What do you mean? Well, Sorry. what I mean is like you know how sometimes when, particularly a young, oh. a young mum is have so many kids. I mean that's challenging for anybody. But yeah, so she never, yeah. they never took any of the kids away or anything no, like that. No, no, no. She cared for the kids and and she she tried her best. Yeah, yeah. Yep. She tried, did try her 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 best. They didn't end up at your place or anything like that prior to the offence. No. So what was going on though? You know, in their in their lives, I, and... I lost contact with her in two thousand and eleven. It was just, it was at Christmas. Oh, that's awful! How many grandkids did you have by then? Two, and she was pregnant with the third. Oh, Carolyn, that must have well. It's obviously heartbreaking. We went over f- for Christmas to give the kids Christmas presents and that. And she wasn't home. And I, I sort of, we've walked in and I'm like, oh, you know, where, where is she? And he went, oh, she's gone down to the supermarket because we needed, can't even remember what it was. And I'm like, it's Christmas Day. <laughs> the supermarket isn't open. I, in my brain, mm. I'm thinking, it's Christmas Day. You are so lying to me. And he's sort of laughing. She was due to have this baby on the 29th of December. So she was like super pregnant. And I just said to him, oh, look, is it all right if I go in and and see the kids? And he's like, yeah, yeah, they're just in there. And I've walked in and... um, I said, hi, guys, we've got some Christmas presents. Happy Christmas. You know, trying to be a bit cheery. They were playing and they seemed all right. And I just said to the eldest one and I went, oh, where's mummy? And she goes, oh, daddy had a fight with mummy and he kicked her out. Oh, jeez. And I went, out of the mouths of babes. Oh, no. (laughs) That pregnant? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I was like, I just saw red Mm -hmm. and I just could not help myself. And I just, 
I just flew off. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be worried sick. Where is she then? Where do you go when you're kicked out and you're four days off your due date? Yeah. And all your kids are still there and, like, where do you go? Well, she she wandered off down the street and just sort of went and sat somewhere and waited. She said she could hear my car. So they'd had a fight that day? Yeah. Right, he kicked her out that morning knowing you were coming. Yep, and apparently, yeah, and apparently it was over us. Oh, oh God. You know, basically going, your family doesn't care about you and, Mm. you know, they don't really love you and, We've been talking a bit about this over the past few days about how – partners, men usually isol- uh, isolate yeah. their partners off, you know, to control them. Bunging on a turn on Christmas morning yeah. and just making it, just wrecking it basically, awkward and horrible and, yeah. Yeah, and it it was hard for us to go and visit her because it was awkward. It was more like I'd we'd go there and... You didn't feel welcome. Yeah. You know, so it was like, okay. And she'd be like, you could see she'd be on eggshells. Yeah. And I'd sort of go, I'd stay for a little bit and then I'd leave. And it was it was just really difficult to have a relationship with her. So how did you fall out with her that day? I mean, he's kicked her out. <laughs> yeah. Well, she went back, unbeknownst to me. I... I had made a decision that day and we've talked about this and it's very ironic because she goes, you know, sorry, Mum, it was my fault. I stopped talking to you. And I said, oh, well, actually I'd made that same decision because I sort of drew that line in the sand and I went, I can't do this anymore. Mm. You know, it's not good for me. So we lost contact. Yeah, fair enough. After that. Um, I'd heard stories because of people who know people and I'd heard she'd had another baby that gosh yeah I was like oh my god two in one year hectic so you just never called each other after that no no and it wasn't till 2013 my eldest child was at home and he received a phone call from her partner's cousin and he said, have you heard from your sister? And I immediately looked at my, my eldest child and went, oh, my God, is she dead? And I could just, oh, I can feel it even now. Like I could feel just everything inside me just going, oh, my God, he's killed her. I was just waiting for that phone call basically. And, and he's like, stop, just just wait. And I'm like anxiously waiting for this. And um, he got off the phone and he's like, her partner's gone missing. And I went, what? I said, he's gone missing. Mm. And he's gone, yeah. I'm like, oh, my God, what's going on? He turned around and said to me, the cousin had said to him, he goes, we think your daughter's done it. Done what? Murdered him. Wow. Coming up on Australian True Crime, our guest is reunited with her daughter and grandchildren. But the relief is short-lived and the truth of what her child has been reduced to is laid bare. Thank you to patrons Jane Thorne, Sophia Loren, Gemma, Claire, Daniel, Naomi McComb, Amy Uphill and Amy W. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you 
everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. You already know our guest today is the mother of a violent offender. Before the break, we reached the moment in her story when she received a shocking phone call. She'd been living for years with the terrible fear that one day she'd be informed that her son-in-law had seriously assaulted or even killed her daughter. But that's not what the caller was saying. The caller was saying that her son-in-law was missing and his family had reason to believe her daughter may have killed him. So at that time he was officially a missing person Mm -hmm. but the family believed that your daughter had had something to do with his disappearance or something to do with it were police saying to them we think his partners killed him oh look to be honest michelle um i didn't know what went on i i hopped on facebook um tracked her down on Facebook and sent her a couple of messages and I said, look, you know, um, I've heard what's going on. Ring me. There's no bad blood. You're my daughter. I love you. And she ended up ringing me and I was like, okay, this is great, good. Um, What was she saying at that stage? She said that um, he'd gone missing, um, that, um, oh, God. Was she at home? Had she been interviewed by police? What was her sort of... I don't think... No. She, no, she hadn't been interviewed by police, I don't mm. think. I'm sorry. And, no, that's and this, okay. this this may be, like, well out of the timeline because I it's just... I don't blame you for not having photographic memory of the timeline because this is nuts. It is, it, it is like, hectic. Yes, it is. <laughs> So they'd moved out of Newcastle too. So they weren't living in Newcastle. They'd moved Mm. at this point in time. His family had moved home. That's where they came from. Um, So she was even further isolated. Surrounded by his people. Correct. Mm. Did you ask her? Did you straight out say, have you done away with him? No. Mm -hmm. I don't I don't recall saying that. Mm. I think because it was a missing person thing at that point in time, it was like, so what's happened? There was there were things that came out in the court case of Bikey's being involved. He was in a motorcycle gang and he had done something and been He'd been disrespectful and um, apparently they kicked him out and there was talk that they had come in and taken him. Did she tell you the, her um, version of events that she 
initially told family and police that day. Do you remember? The last time I saw him was this. Yep. Yep. Yeah, she did. Did you have an instinct about what was happening at the time? Did you have a feeling about whether she knew more than she was letting on? To be honest, no, I didn't because I hadn't I hadn't been seeing her constantly and the last time, well, I'd seen him, he thought it was very amusing that I got upset that he kicked her out. He'd been violent to previous girlfriends and had AVOs put on him. So I, I don't know, I was just so confused and just so like, oh, my God, I just don't know what to think. No. I've just lost track of the timeline a little bit. So how how long had it been that you'd been out of touch with her? Um, 2011. So two years. About two years, yeah, roughly. How old was your daughter at this stage? 24. God, she's still a baby. She's still really young. And she's got four kids by this stage, is it? Four kids. Four yeah. and littlies, still little. Yep, yep. Uh, how was she coping? What was her demeanour as you were talking to her this day, the first time? She just didn't, it, it was very, very deadpan, very, very like, oh, this, oh, that. And then she'd start to cry and then she'd stop and then it'd be like, oh, this. And then she was like, oh, mum, I'm so happy to just be in contact with you again. And Yeah, so it was, yeah, it was just like very, I don't even know how to just like, like there was nothing, like it wasn't overly emotional or she was still crying and she's like, oh, you know, he's gone, he's gone. When was the first, your first inkling, when did you first find out that police were interested in in your daughter? <laughs> well, it wasn't until my eldest child and I got home. We So you drove drove there to support her? Yep. And because there was talk of um, a motorcycle gang being involved, I said to her, look, I'm going to the police station so they know that I'm here and when I leave I'll be letting them know that I'm going. And she's like, yeah, yeah, that's fine, not a problem at all. We arrived, went to the police station and they interviewed us for three hours and I was like, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, okay, this is fine. Yeah, what what do you want to talk about? You know, I've come here to let you know I'm here because, you know, I don't know what's going on. And it didn't dawn on me until I got home and my eldest eldest child and I were talking and I've gone, oh, my God, they actually thought we could have been suspects. Yeah, they've obviously thought it's worth a bit of a poke around while you're here. I know, and I was just like... Oh, my God. But then again, when you think now, when I think about it, I'm like, okay, well, I guess they've got to do the whole, all these avenues because, yeah. Yeah, so we were there for a few days. We're in a motel and because she'd said to us, oh, you know, do you want to come around later on? And this was on the on a, on the Friday and, um, you know, you can see the kids and blah, blah, blah. And I'd just spoken to him and I said, I, I just don't think I can do this. How do you feel about going back around? You know, there's her, you and me and his whole family. Jesus, yeah. There'd been a few comments made to my eldest son about different things and I didn't know until we'd gotten home. They had said to him about, oh, it's all right, we'll get her, don't you worry about that. And, yeah. Things oh, like that. God. Because he didn't want to worry me. Like we're in the middle of this town where we know no one except her. Mm. And a few strange <laughs> things had happened while we were there and we both agreed not to go back around there. Mm. And I'd message, I sent her a text message. I said, oh, look, sweetie, you know, um, I don't think we'll come around. Is that okay? And I didn't get a reply. And I'm like, Oh, great. Mm. You know, we've come all this way and now she's going to be upset at me because we're not going back around. And I'm like, sweetie, please don't be upset at me. I just, you know, I just feel it's best that we don't come around. 
no response. Mm. Send another message, no response. Spoke to my eldest child and I said, how do you feel about this? I said, how about we leave early Saturday morning because, you know, if she's going to shut me out now, yeah, it's like, yep, no worries. I think, think that's a good plan. So we left early hours on the Saturday morning because I just I just felt so gutted and drained and we got home and we walked in the door and I can't remember if it was myself or my oldest child who got the phone call and said that she'd been taken into custody. Oh, God, is that why she wasn't replying? Yep. She'd been in custody that whole time? Yep. So once we left, the family let let the police know and, yeah, they came and got her. She was she was having an affair with an older man, so he was about 52 at that time, so substantially older, you know, father figure. Yep. Um, I know people don't understand. Oh, I think a lot of people do, honestly. Don't don't beat yourself up about that. I think a lot of people do. Yeah. So they found out about that. I guess did a lot of people know about that? He was also arrested around the same time because there'd been text messages to and fro. And Did you say your daughter was pregnant again? Okay. Yep. She was she was only just okay. pregnant. Ay, ay, ay. She'd been to the hospital because she'd had a bit of bleeding and they'd sort of cleared her of that because she's under a lot of stress. Mm. It's going to happen. Yeah, so but at child number five, she thought it was the other person's, but it wasn't. It was her partner's, mm-hmm. the missing man's. Yeah. But, I mean, she left a pretty clear path through her door in terms of, um, you know, her partner goes missing, police are called, the first person yeah. they're going to look into is his partner. She's got yeah. text messages on her phone to another man. Yeah. Take them both in for questioning and... Yeah, he, he, to this day, he denies everything, ever being involved, don't know what you're talking about, just still denies everything. Did she speak up in her interview? How did? Not initially. Um, she told the police a story that she was told to tell. By whom, do you think? By her new partner? Yeah. That's your belief? Uh, yeah, I think so. How did they figure out what had happened? Did they find remains? No, he still hasn't been found. Still? Yeah, he's still a missing person. Oh, dear. Yeah, I know. I know. What cracked the case open to the extent that it received this nickname that it has, which we won't use necessarily, but... Yeah, I'd appreciate that. No worries, no worries, yeah. Um, He had given her some drugs. The older man. Yeah. Some sedatives, let's say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and But how did police, how was it pieced together what had happened to the missing man if we've never found his remains? I guess it's, you know, forensic stuff that they do. Found in the home? Um, there was, there was in the back of his car and... The night he went missing, his phone was pinging off certain um, towers and, yeah. So without, we won't go into it because what you don't want is you don't want it Googled because a certain sort of, you know, crass nickname was uh, Mm -hmm. put to it that then people have made YouTubes about and made... Yeah, posts about and things like that, and and sort of retold the story in almost a joking way. Yeah, would you say? Yep. So, can yep. you tell us about that experience then? That because that's sort of what's brought us together, or or that how you contacted us was saying, look, you know, these horrible things happen to us. As if that's not bad enough, by the way. Yeah. After all that um, you've been through with your child, and 
with your life. Your your daughter was convicted in relation to this crime? Ma- manslaughter. Convicted of manslaughter for her yeah. part in the disappearance of this man. Yes. Presumed murder. Yes. And so you're living through that and are you raising her children? No, we have one. Yeah, we have the one that she was pregnant with. Wow. Um, they have um, right. government departments haven't allowed us to see them because um, the family has said we're, we're dangerous. Carolyn, I'm so sorry about that. Which is another thing that is good of you to tell us, talk about, you know, the ripple effect, certainly where offenders' families are concerned. You know, having spent Mm. this little bit of time with you, we can all understand what a lovely person you are. (laughs) And, I mean, that is so crook. Yes, I'm really sorry about that. It's something we never think of. It's horrible because I miss them every day. Of course. Grandparents do lose... You know, in separations or crimes or, you know, they just lose contact and it must be so devastating. Um, I did go and see a solicitor and try and get some sort of access Mm. and it just became financially draining and, you know, it's horrible to have a price put on the the love of your your grandchildren. You know, the, the solicitor ended up saying to me, you know, if... If um, if they the people who the family who have them go no, you could be fighting this forever, and it could cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's like selling house territory. Absolutely, isn't it? people sell right. houses, remortgage. Yeah, yeah, it is. Not to mention, if you reach an agreement, they could just not adhere to it, and then you then it's ongoing it's, and exactly, and it's. It, you know, what What do you do? It's how do you, I, I don't want to put a price on how much I care about my grandchildren. You know, I, I want to do everything I possibly can so I can see them. But financially, hmm. we just don't have the resources. Um, no, especially as you're raising one. Yeah. So Yeah, and, and we work so we don't get legal aid. We're not eligible for legal aid. You know, so we're left to to foot the bill. And as it was, you know, I ran up, I think it was about um, a $15,000 bill and not even getting any information. Yeah. Um, what sort of sentence did your daughter receive? She got five years. So it's reasonable to think that you will gain some access through her, is it? No, she's not allowed to have any any contact with them. When she's released? Yep. She's not allowed to. The family has just told stories about her, you know, oh, she's done this, so, yes, she's got to be a bad mother. But there's a pattern of behaviour in a relationship and, um, you know, not necessarily on her part. No, but they'll have a paper trail that says the pattern is that she killed the father of those children. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. You've got custody or care of your daughter's youngest child with her partner Mm -hmm. who is deceased. Mm -hmm. Why are you allowed that but not access to the other kids? Uh, I'm just going through my mind. uh, Good question. Good question because um, it was deemed okay where I am. Yeah, interesting. Okay, yeah. God, because the law is crazy. Yeah. And and for your daughter, yeah, they're saying, well, she's got this conviction for manslaughter, she's in jail, and she's known as the da-da-da, you know, as we talked about, there's a moniker for the, this crime. Yeah. So that, that follows her and doesn't help her. Not at all. 100% it doesn't. Tell us about some times when you've encountered that, when that's popped up in your world. I'm to be honest, I'm pretty lucky because I haven't I haven't advertised the fact no. of what's gone on. Mm. And it's not in your community. You don't live in the community where it happened, so but it was on the news. Right, yeah, yeah. People don't make the association because 
of different names. Mm-hmm. So for me, that has assisted in, I guess, not being inundated. But for her, it has been pretty hectic. Mm-hmm. She's struggling every day with mental health um, during during the court process. They it's court was court ordered that she go and see and get diagnosed. So she was diagnosed with chronic depression, chronic anxiety, chronic PTSD, and dependent personality disorder. So because um, she didn't have that development of at the, her teenage years of learning how to be independent. She was depend. She she didn't know how to be independent. She was always dependent on someone. So she she's trying so hard to sort of work through all that. You know, there's a reasonable expectation. I feel like people should have the reasonable expectation that, you know, people do a jail sentence. Yes, there's damage done for sure, but there has to be a point at which people are able to rehabilitate, for want of a better word, you know, move back into society. It's really important because if you're further stigmatising people, it's it's worse, you know, for everyone. Exactly. I mean, at some point people... don't get me wrong, it is a terrible thing that happened. It is horrendous. And and as a mother, my heart aches for his mum and their children on how it has affected them. And and I and I like, yeah, it but you for these people, I agree, they've they've done their time. I know it doesn't fix anything. I get that. No, but I don't think your daughter's a threat to anybody else. No. I mean, her crime was very specific to her life and to the victim. Yes, that's what the, that's what the judge said. But he also doesn't believe in, one, mental health, the judge that she had. It was horrible because he just was just like, oh, well, she should have just left. Oh, oh Christ. God. He needs no some way. education. Oh, my God. Are you serious? Was this tried yep. in that community in, like, regional New South Wales? No, it was, it was in Sydney. No way. I find that so mm-hmm. strange. It was tried in Sydney in, like, what, yep. 2013 or 2014 or something and the judge said, uh, what, did was... you, you just leave? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Did that make the headlines? Because I know in Melbourne there's been not. judges who've said that and got absolutely ripped in the news. Of course news. not, because that wasn't news. Because That's outrageous. he didn't believe that she had been in family violence because there wasn't hundreds of hospital reports. Ugh. You know, there were no broken bones. Ugh. So it didn't happen. And it's ex- exactly and it's like, well, if if you look up this, you will see that it's not just broken bones. It's mm. it's That's being isolated from your family. That is pretty yeah. Well, this is a man who has the benefit of experts passing before him every day of his working mm-hmm. life telling him this stuff. He's just choosing not to be educated. And we we had one of the best psychologists that did reports on her. That's what I mean. He'd have he has some of the best experts in the world every day. He has to if he's a judge in Sydney and he's just choosing not to be educated by them. She this this woman she, amazing. Um she deals with a lot of the church stuff. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Victims of clergy. Yes. Mm. And and for him he questioned her oh. about I know. And I was just like, "Oh my god, this this woman is world-renowned. That's willful. He doesn't want to get it. And see, yeah. these are the conversations. What you're telling us now is the stuff that you don't get when there's just a one-dimensional thing done about a crime, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, you don't get that context. Yeah. Carolyn, did you say that one of your grandchildren had seen a particular video about this crime? Yes. So what, what, and I feel like that prompted you to get in touch. So can you tell us a bit about that? She saw it and she's basically like, you don't, you don't know what went on. 
and people were sort of attacking her online and she's like, well, I'm, this is who I am and I know. So she was sticking up for her mother? Yeah. Okay. She made a comment on the video, did she? She did make a comment on it. Poor little darling. Yeah. God, that's heartbreaking, isn't it? Is she a teenager? Yeah. Wow. She she has her own mental health issues, the poor darling. See? Like I just, yeah. yeah. Oh, that must have been really tough to see that stuff. Yep. Online and wanting to set the record straight. And like and like for them to to have to go to school and hear about it. One of the arresting officers, his his child went to the same school. One of my grandbabies. She's waving like, hi, hi. The cousins were poking fun at her because they're like, oh, you don't know him, you don't know him. And she goes, yes, I do, I do know him. And he's then like, hi. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, my God. We have spoken to a number of people who have been impacted by crime who actually listen to true crime. They're like, yeah, I listen to it. But what do you want people to think about, I guess, when they're consuming, listening, watching true crime content? What What are your thoughts about that? I'd like people to think about what state of mind someone must be in. Like we've all got an addiction about something, whether it be video games, social media, drugs, alcohol, sex, Cars, exercise, it, it can be all an, an addiction to some extent. And the reasoning behind why we have an addiction is because we've been traumatised and that addiction helps us or we think it helps us to move through our trauma, but it doesn't. I'd like people to think about not sitting there going, oh, no, mental health is crap people pull the mental health card so they get a lesser sentence. People actually do have mental health for number of a number of reasons. It's not an excuse. People feel that it's, oh, yeah, wait for it, wait for it. Think about what people have gone through. Like I listen to, to your podcast and I've listened to different ones where you've spoken to people similar to myself and where you've spoken to the police officers and I hear a a very similar thing all the time about how mental health has played a large part on how people get to where they are and what they've gone through to get there. You know, people's upbringing, even though sometimes we think it's normal, we can be in a situation and because we don't know any different for us, it's normal. And um, thing, if you think something isn't right, speak up because too many times people just turn their back on things. And I understand, like, you don't want to get involved. You don't want to sort of bring whatever's happening into your home. But if you can see it, then make that phone call. If it's going to make a difference, make that damn phone call. You know, I've been guilty of it myself and and sat and gone, should I or shouldn't I, should I or shouldn't I? What if nothing's happening? What what if it's just, you know, the child's been naughty or, you know, and nothing's really going on? But what if it is? It's also, this is the second time in two days we've had talked about inappropriate age gaps in relationships Mm. with teenage girls as well. Like there's a reason why it's illegal, you know, like. Don't stand by and and just let that happen unquestioningly, you know, no matter how much the girl's telling people, no, it's fine, I'm just really into it. You know what, you're 13. I I agree. it's not fine. And it can't just be the mum who's harping on at her. Like it needs to be her friends, her friends' mums, any adult in the vicinity needs to be saying, hey, I don't reckon that's cool. Yep, I agree. Let her know. Don't normalise it. Don't turn a blind eye to that. It's, It's not cool. 13 and 14-year-old girls, do not have the emotional or mental capacity to process that, no matter where they come from. No, they don't. I have learnt so much more about that now, especially having the psychologist that did my daughter's court reports. 
May we all learn more about our children before it gets to the point where they have an expert providing them with court reports. Thank you to our very generous guest who shall remain nameless. And thank you to our patrons, Sarah Stefano, Rachel Hoare, Andrew Turner, Rebecca Adams, Marla Kavanagh, Dylan Van Boss and Caitlin S. And thank you for downloading this episode of Australian True Crime. We'll be back next week. This has been another Smartfella production in conjunction with the Acast Creator Network. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. As promised, I am thrilled to announce that our tickets for Australian True Crime Live are now available. Join me in Sydney, Brisbane and or Melbourne this July. You can come to all three if you want. These tickets are expected to go very quickly, so be sure to secure yours by visiting the link in our podcast bio or you can head over to the Australian True Crime Facebook page. There'll be a nice link there for you. Update for Brisbane Australian True Crime fans. Brisbane is almost fully sold out for our live show. If you've been a listener for any length of time, you'll know how passionate I am about true crime stories from Australia. I'm looking very forward to an incredible evening together with you, sharing these captivating tales. We will have great guests as well, so, you know, we love a Q&A. If you've ever come along to an Australian true crime live gig, you'll know we love a Q&A with our guests. Don't miss out. Book your tickets today, and I'll see you in July for a memorable night out.